The Daily Rios, episode 392, New Comics Wednesday. You know, a couple days late. It's the back from vacation, get your racist head out of your Nazi ass edition. New comic book recommendations for books from this past Wednesday, August 9th, 2017. No reviews, though, in this episode. I had some planned, but I'll have to push that for another episode since um, I didn't read many comics over the vacation, if I read any comics, uh, and I didn't want to rush to try to get some reviews for this episode. I kind of want to just get this episode out. By the way, shout out to House of Heroes Comics and Collectibles on Highway 17 in North Myrtle Beach that I missed the entire week. I was right there. Every time we turned on to 17 from where we were staying, uh, I, I just didn't notice it. I, we, we passed that light every time. And I only noticed it a day or two before we left. And uh, I just didn't have time to go to it. It's this little comic store tucked away in this tiny little strip mall. Um, and I think I even passed it on the way home from vacation uh, in this giant setup where they were having this flea market. So I saw the sign again, House of Heroes Comics. But I never checked it out, so maybe some year. Also, if you didn't see on Twitter, Eric from the Longbox Review Podcast dropped part one of a recording we did a few weekends back. It's a generic comic book talk episode about our collections, the status quo of DC and Marvel, a little about Dark Days, The Forge, and the casting, some CGS talk, and other odds and ends. And then part two is a detailed discussion on the image series Secret Identities from a few years back. And part two will drop in a week or so. I will put the link in the show notes as always. Okay. On to the recommendations. We start with Marvel, Inhumans, Once and Future Kings, One of Five, The True History of the Royal Family Revealed, by Christopher Priest, Phil Noto, and company, with a backup lock, uh, lockjaw story, for $3.99. I am so torn on this. Priest is normally an instant buy for me, and his description of the miniseries where he's telling this story around the events that we already know, that we already know are part of um, the Inhumans history, comic book history, publishing history. So he's telling the story that connects them. It feels like it could be a compelling read, especially in his style, which I'm a fan of. And then you have Phil Noto, but... But it's Marvel's constant push of these characters, trying to make them important. Ugh, I don't know. I, I know I should just get over it. It's not like I have to read it. but um, And it's not like they're forcing me to read it. So I should just ignore it, which I have been. But I don't want them to know that I'm supporting their push. And I get it. There's a TV show coming. There was supposed to be a movie. Um, there's the Inhuman storyline in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that entirely killed that series for me. Although I have gone back to season one to do a rewatch, which uh, I don't know why, but I have. And it's surprisingly far more pure back in the early seasons, um, I'm finding. Uh, I'm just about halfway through season one. 
and enjoying it much more than I did originally, and certainly enjoying it more than the Inhuman seasons. Uh, a lot of it I'm just doing because I want to finally get to all the Netflix stuff. So I feel like I should go back to that and then watch Agent Carter and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, this feels like it, this title could feel like it's on the fringe of all of that Inhumans mania that I'm trying to stay away from, that I'm trying to not support. Um, I'm trying to imagine that maybe it won't have the feel of something like, oh, clearly this is another media-influenced title, or that they are using this miniseries to mine um, information for the TV show. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's unfair. I, I just have an, an unfounded barrier to entry for these characters in their current purpose, in the way Marvel wants to put them in front of our noses. I don't know. I read Death of X. I've been reading Royals, which isn't bad. I pre-order Black Bolt for artist Christian Ward alone, Marvel. By the way, he recently tweeted out a sketch of Black Bolt by the artist Ladron. Remember him? There's a name that's been absent from American comics for a while. It reminded me of the four-issue miniseries in, uh, in 2000 that he did. He did three issues of um, with writers uh, Carlos Pacheco and Rafael Marin, who are usually pencils, pencilers, and um, anchors, but uh, they were the writers. So this miniseries followed up the Marvel Knights 12-issue miniseries by Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee, uh, which was a great inhuman story. It's, it's the kind of inhuman story I groove on. It's the kind of inhuman story I want. And then there was this four-issue miniseries where three of the issues, as I said, was drawn by Ladron before Jorge Lucas finished it up. And again, I remember digging the story and the art and how it made the Inhumans feel alien and Kirby-born. They weren't superheroes. They were a race. And I don't know. I, I think that's what bothers me about the current push, the way that Marvel is trying to insert them into stories that usually, usually belong to the X-Men. So then it makes them feel more like superheroes and not like aliens and not like this m weird Marvel concept um, that we only occasionally visit. And instead, they're all over the place. And it's kind of taking away their culture and trying to push them as adventurers. And I don't like that. Anyway, I didn't pre-order this book. It's the early origins of the Inhumans. Um, I'm sure it'll have some kind of... It, it's probably hitting a lot of like Game of Thrones kind of um, vibes. Um, but I think I'll pick it up and then maybe do a review of it at a later time. Two from DC this week. One of them is totally expected, right? All the buzz this week for Mr. Miracle, one of 12, by Tom King and Mitch Jarrods and company. There really isn't much more I can say. This is being talked about all over the comic sphere, rightfully so. And it's interesting how many people are jumping on this right out the gate. You know, when Vision was coming out, it took a while to convince people to jump on that series. It was a critical darling, but it was uh, slow and steady. Mr. Miracle, right out of the gate, right out of Darkseid's forehead, is it feels like it's a critical masterpiece. And, and people haven't even read the issue, <laughs> probably. Um, I haven't read the issue. I don't get it. Uh, 
uh, in my DCBS shipment until the end of the month. But um, this almost feels the opposite of what was going on with the vision. People are giving this series the crown before it even has a chance to breathe. And you know what? Great. That's that's awesome. King's track record can't be ignored. Um, his writing, the different genres that he's playing with, you know, this it's all justified, right? And, uh, you know, he doesn't need me to justify it, but I just find it interesting. So um, people are not sleeping on another Tom King uh, limited series. They're going to go right in from the beginning. Um, I think I just read that it beat Secret Empire number eight in the best of digital list, like the best digital sales for the week. It beat out Secret Empire number eight. So people want it. People want it. Um, in my own Mr. Miracle experience, it's odd that I have not read the original Kirby run. There's a lot of the original 70s New Gods stuff that I haven't read. Uh, the image that stands out the most in my mind's eye is the DC house ad that was put out after the original Kirby run. Uh, it was on hiatus for a little bit. And then they restarted it with Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers, who took over for some of the final issues. And then the series was rounded out by Steve Gerber and Michael Golden, of all people. Um, that Michael, that Marshall Rogers image, I, I'm pretty sure I saw... I saw that ad in one of the comics that my uncle gave me from the 70s, those Bronze Age comics. I'll have to post it on uh, the website for this episode. Um, that's the one that stuck with me for a long time. In fact, the character has had a ton of house ads as I was looking for that image. And they are all catchy. Obviously, Mr. Miracle and all of the new gods got a big push around the time of Legends and then Mr. Miracle was in the Bwahaha Justice League, and so was Big Barda and Oberon for a little bit. And around that time, there was a one-shot special by Mark Evanier and Steve Rude, accompanied by a house ad, which was then followed by the 28-issue run started by Jam DiMatteis and artist Ian Gibson around 1989. And that had a house ad. It had the house ad with... Uh, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda in the uh, positions of that famous painting, American Gothic. Um, incidentally, if you see the final issue of that run, the cover, it reminds me a lot of the first issue. No, it's the first issue. If you see the first issue of that run, it reminds me of the first issue of this new series, the first issue cover by Nick Darrington. Uh, again, maybe I'll post those as well. Um, and then we had uh, Len Wein and Joe Phillips. Um, they were on that series for a while. And then writer Doug Munch. Um, I never read it, but the cover ad, as I said, um, was hard to miss. And uh, it made that series feel like it could very much fit into the mold of what Tom King is doing now. And it makes me wonder how much research he did on all of these Mr. Miracle titles. And then uh, they had uh, a house ad in the middle of that run when they brought back Shiloh Norman from the original Kirby run. And then there was a seven-issue Mr. Miracle title just prior to Morrison's JLA by Kevin Dooley and Steve Crespo, and of course the Seven Soldiers Mr. Miracle miniseries by Grant Morrison that featured Shiloh Norman. 
you know, as I read all those notes, I, I thought to myself, you know what? I think I sense a Mr. Miracle great read in my future. Maybe even before I read Tom, Tom King's current run. Ah, more stuff to read. All right, the other DC title, and this is strange because it's not a number one. This is for Justice League of America, number 12, by Steve Orlando and Yvonne Hayes. The reason I'm signaling this out is because it's the start of a story arc entitled Panic in the Microverse, the quest for Ray Palmer. Although in the solicits, it was called Crisis in the Microverse. Now, why is this a pick? Because one of my favorite Bronze Age JLA stories is entitled Into the Microcosmos from Justice League of America 213 through 216, around the time of like 1983, 84, when Ray Palmer had gone slightly bonkers and the JLA go after him into this microcosmos. And it was by Jerry Conway and Don Heck with a few uh, George Perez covers. When the JLA actually get into the microverse, they all lose their memory and they have to be rescued by a group called the Siren Sisterhood, one of those one-off uh, group of characters that you never see again uh, with uh, a woman named uh, Mother Moon. She was the one who led them. And then there was like this adventurer called uh, Crystal Ka. One of the sisters was named Twig. She very much was a female Groot before Groot ever got popular uh, in the Marvel cosmos. Um with, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy and Annihilation. So uh, she was she had the same kind of look, right? She, she was a tree with green hair, and she could stretch and do all these things. So um, I loved, 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 loved that storyline. And if this storyline hits any kind of similar vibe, if it's any kind of, like, spiritual sequel, I am so there. Um, I have to imagine there's some kind of influence. I don't know how old Steve Orlando is or if maybe the editor said, hey, look at the storyline. You might want to uh, emulate something like this. Plus, I think they're putting Ray Palmer in a Atom suit that kind of mimics the suit that he wore during Sword of the Atom, which is another miniseries from the 80s that uh, I liked. So I am all in on this. And... Um, Apparently, it might even have some connections to the DC Rebirth one-shot that kicked off DC Rebirth in the first place. So this is the start of a four-issue miniseries, uh, excuse me, four-issue uh, story arc, uh, Justice League of America number 12. Finally for today, uh, this is from Drawn in Quarterly, The Customer is Always Wrong by Mimi Pond for $29.95. It's the story of a young artist named Madge working in a restaurant of charming drunks, junkies, thieves, and creeps. Oakland in the late 70s is a cheap and quirky haven for eccentrics, and Mimi Pond folds the tales of the fascinating sleazeball characters that surround young Madge into her, work, into her workday waitressing life. It very much sounds like a follow-up or... Uh, a story that is in the same world as her other uh, graphic novel, um, which I think came out in 2014 called Over Easy. So I, I think it's semi-autobiographical. So um, I thought I would give it a little bit of a nod. 
And then we have from Uncivilized Books, Story of Jezebel, a graphic novel by Elijah Brubaker. It's a hilarious take on the Old Testament tale of paganism, murder, and sex. King Ahab is arranged to marry the beautiful Jezebel, a hip chick with a short fuse, whose interest in the pagan god Baal doesn't sit well with the people. This is a unique twist on angels, famine, war, and even bear maulings without losing touch of the biblical source material. If your grandma's Sunday school was a Comedy Central special, it would be Elijah Brubaker's The Story of Jezebel for $19.95. Just put that on the list because it sounded something offbeat. So I thought, why not? (laughs) Just to round out some of my recommendations uh, for uh, this past week. Now, there are a few other things. These aren't really recommendations, more of like a heads up. We have the Generation Phoenix one-shot following up from Generations Hulk uh, or Hulks or whatever. Um, The Hulks one I wanted to read and do a review on, but I still haven't done that yet. So now there's a Phoenix one with Jean Grey and Phoenix. We'll see how these Generation one-shots go. And then uh, a potential Legion of Superheroes alert. Supergirl number 12, start of the Girl of No Tomorrow story arc with Emerald Empress and Fatal Five. Not sure what that means. I know the Emerald Empress has been in this recent Supergirl series, but I don't know if she's from the future or just a a present-day version of the character, but now we get the group Fatal Five, which is very much a Legion concept. So if you're someone that's trying to play along with, hey, DC, where are the Legion of Superheroes nowadays? Here is a potential story nugget with the Legion of Superheroes, or a group of villains of the Legion of Superheroes. (laughs) All right. I think that's it for today. That's about as much as my voice wants to give today. Um, That's been the Daily Rios, episode 392, for this past New Comics Wednesday. I have a couple things in the works for this week that I'm looking forward to putting out. By all means, send me an email, peter at thedailyrios.com, or leave a comment on the website, and I promise I will eventually answer it. Hope everybody had a good week. Thanks for letting me have my vacation. And uh, I have about two weeks before uh, I go back to teaching at my university. So we'll see what else we can get up to in within these uh, two weeks. All right, talk to you soon. Bye.